This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Oh, hallelujah. How many people are excited about the Word of God today? Amen. Well, the Lord is good. Somebody say we're growing. Amen. You know, we've got to grow internally and externally. Amen. And that's why I'm excited about going out and witnessing and um, bringing more people in. Hallelujah. Well, let's go in prayer. Father, we honor you this morning. And Father, I just thank you for your mercies this morning. I thank you for helping me to minister your word and power and demonstration of your spirit. Father, we just endeavor to give you all the honor and glory for what you're doing today. Give us hearing ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And we just give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to Galatians 5, and we're going to look at 22 and 23. It's our theme scripture for this month, and we are looking at walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? And um, amen. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, New King James Version. Amen. It says, "But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Amen. And, of course, we've been going over this. And um, last month we talked about the, uh, you know, the, the, the main fruit is love. And I believe love is the root to bear the rest of the fruit in our lives. Amen. And, uh, you know, in Romans 5, 5, New King James Version says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So I'm going to say this. You have the capacity to love like Jesus. Amen. Yeah, you may doubt that. You know, you may be going through some issues or some problems or uh, uh, we're going to be talking about patience today. How many people have a problem with temper in here? Okay, we won't. So anyway, but we're going to be talking about patience and contrasting patience with temper. Amen. Some of us might need to temper our temper. Amen. And uh, But I'm going to say this, that you have the divine nature of God abiding on the inside of you. Amen. And you have the uh, God attributes on the inside of you. Amen. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4 says it this way, because I'm going to say this to you. Some of you that are hotheads, there is hope. Can I say that again? Some of you that have a short fuse, there is hope. Amen. Look at Second Peter 1, uh, 3 and 4. It says, uh, this is Peter talking to us. And he says, his divine power, God's divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly and great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So say, I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Amen. So you're more than just who you think you are. Amen. Amen. I, I, you know, you, you're more than... Just the natural person. You're a supernatural person because you got God Almighty living on the inside of you. And some of you might be thinking, uh, you sure about that, Pastor? (laughs) 
Uh, you know, some of you might be navigating your faith walk and some of you have been saved for a long time. But hopefully every day we're getting more saved. Amen. Can I say that again? Every day we're drawing more closer to God. Amen. Thank you for those amens. Uh, the rest of you, are you're probably saying, oh, me, but we are drawing closer. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, talking about the divine nature that we, we possess. He says that if we're in Christ, we're new creatures. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. And so, you know, uh, you may have had a temper. You may have issues with the flesh, but that was your old nature. You have a new nature now. You don't, you don't, I'm going to say this. Can I get out of my seat today? Uh, you don't fight an old nature. You're, you know, some, some theologians believe that we have two natures. That would make you schizophrenic, you know. Uh, you don't have two natures. You have one nature. See, I have one nature. And, that, and you have a God nature. I'm going to say it again. You have a God nature. And, and some of you husbands may say, well, my wife doesn't think that way. But uh, you have a God nature. Amen. On the inside of you. You are new creations in Christ and you have the ability to love like Jesus. You know, you know, you're not fighting an old nature. Some of you might you ever you ever feel like that you're fighting with yourself. Yes, I'm going to be nice. No, I'm not going to be nice. Yes, I'm going to be nice. No, I'm not going to. You ever feel like you're you're not really fighting with yourself. You're, you're, You're fighting with that carnal mind. In other words, it's a carnal mind that we are dealing with that's keeping us from walking in the spirit of God. And so what we have, we have to do something with the carnal mind. Hopefully none of us have carnal minds this morning. But we got to do something. What do we got to do with something? What do we got to do? Well, you got to do two things. You got to present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice. Right. And you have to renew your minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so we have to renew our mind to our new nature in Christ. So if there's a, if you're having problems, you're having problems with this this thing up here. Amen. But if you renew your mind to who you are in Jesus, you will start acting like Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, renew your mind. Look at your other name and say, really, you need to renew. No, I'm. <laughs> renew your mind. Hallelujah. I like in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, because the Apostle Paul and Peter, they were really saying the same things when Peter was talking about partaking of the divine nature, that we need to partake of the divine nature, that we have a divine nature in us. Amen. I like the amplified, the 2 Corinthians 5, 17 amplified version. And, it's, and it gives a little bit more life to the scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual, and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So isn't that wonderful? I love that scripture. And that's that's saying that once we have Jesus, the old man is dead. 
Glory to God. He died. Amen. When you received Christ, you were raised up with him. Glory to God. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? And so and so today we're uh, so this this month we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. And um, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fruit of joy. And I really believe, you know, joy is downloaded into our spirits, if we if I may, by us being a witness for Christ. I remember that listening to a story about Smith Wigglesworth and Smith Wigglesworth was a powerful man of God and his kids were sick and I think they had a fever. And of course, he was all he was in the Bible. He was living for he was sold out for God. At one time, he was backslidden as a Christian, but he came back to the Lord. Amen. And uh, and so he prayed for his kids and God healed his kids and he was a plumber. And so he was just so excited about God's word working. Amen. It's exciting when God's word works. And so he was at a lady's house and he just had a grin on his face and the light of God's glory was shining in his face because he was thinking about how good God is because God is good. Somebody say God is good. And so and so the lady at the house said, how come you seem so full of joy? And he's and he just said, well, God is so good that he answers prayer and he healed my kids this morning when I prayed. And she said, you know, you just seem so joyful. I want some of that. And he said, it's easy to get it. All you have to do is get Jesus. You get Jesus and you will get the joy. And I don't know if anybody remember. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember how excited you were about the things of God? I mean, you couldn't, I'm telling you, uh, nobody could tear you away from the church. I mean, you wanted to be in church every time the doors open. Why? Because it was brand new. Amen. And so, so, so he led her in a prayer and got her saved. The lady that he was working on in the house. And she said, I feel so wonderful. I feel so great. She said, how do I keep this feeling? And he says, you got to give it away. And she and she said, what do you mean? He said, you got to testify about the goodness of God. And the more you tell uh, people about Jesus, the more joy you're going to walk in. Amen. Amen. Some of us are struggling in here. We don't have the joy like we, we used to have. And all you need to do is start talking about Jesus to somebody. Amen. In other words, we used to go out knocking on doors. And you know what? Uh, you know, I really love praying for people, asking people. If we, you know, we knock on doors and we introduce ourselves. And we ask them if they need some prayer or whatever. And we and we give them a card. And I'm telling you, I've for some reason, I always get joy on those Saturdays. Anybody used to go out witnessing with with me? Did, did any, anybody can attest getting that joy? So I, I believe joy is downloaded, if I may, into us by when we are a witness, when we're building the kingdom of God. Now, Luke 10, 1 says this way, he says, uh, we're going to look at Luke 10, 1, talking about joy in 10, 17. It says, and these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two uh, before his face to every city and place where he himself was about to go. So it's interesting. So Jesus took, said to 70 people, go out and witness. And this is before Jesus was going to come in. And that's interesting because, um, you know, the, the, the people that were witnessing for Jesus were preparing 
they, they were preparing the people for Jesus to come in and give the word. But Jesus gave them an anointing. I'm going to say this today. You are anointed. As soon as you get saved, you get an anointing on you. That's an anointing to be a, to be a, a reconciliator for, for people to come into God. Amen. You have a ministry of reconciliation. And in Luke 10, 17, it says the 70 returned with joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So listen. Uh, when you start, I'm telling you, when you start witnessing for God and you start praying for people and you see people get healed, delivered and set free, you're going to get excited. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Some of us aren't excited that much because we're not praying enough for other people. We're praying for ourselves. But I'm going to say this. Start praying for others. And, you know, when I first got saved, I had one person said to me, they said, hey, uh, and of course, I was a, a congregational member. I was an usher. And uh, I had this one guy that was bold. and He said, let's go to the hospital and pray for people. And I said, uh, you go. <laughs> I'll pray for you while, while you go to the hospital. And, you know, I, what I'm going to say this, that our faith is progressive. What do I mean by that? Our faith will, as we step out into the water and we continue to step out into the water to do things for God, our faith will grow and we'll become more confident in being a witness for the Lord. Amen. Thank you for those amens. The rest of you are owe me. And so and so now and I remember the day that I went to the hospital and I remember that I prayed for this one lady that was having problems with having a baby and the power of God moved. And I'm telling you, the, the anointing of God was in that place. She wasn't sleeping at night. Uh, she was having problems sleeping at night. She was bedfast in the hospital. And the, it, it was she was, you know, the baby was in jeopardy of being lost. And uh, but God did a miracle brought her through. She had her baby. It's a beautiful little girl. And she said, when I prayed that she was able to sleep that night, the first night in, in weeks. Why? Because somebody say there's power in prayer. And I'm going to say this, you know, it's not because I'm that special. It's because God's word is that special. I'm going to say that again. It's God anoints his word. In other words, he will anoint. when you speak his word, his word is anointed. And the Bible says that he will confirm his word with what? Signs following. I'm telling you, when I pray for people and they start getting healed and I've seen people get healed, sometimes not automatically, not right there. But you get reports later. Glory to God. And I love the reports. That come later. Amen. So joy can be downloaded to us when we're building the kingdom of God. Last week we talked about peace. And I'm going to say this. The enemy is always after your peace. The devil doesn't want you walking in the peace of God. And and so we contrasted peace with worry. Amen. Last week. And and we can have a tendency to worry. I, I believe that's probably one of the biggest problems of lots of Christians is that they worry too much. Some of you might need to buy a stick of gum called carefree. 
<laughs> Anybody ever heard of that, that stick of gum called carefree? In other words, you need to start living carefree. In other words, you need to start saying no worries. Right? And so we talked about that, uh, that, the, that the devil is after you and he, he wants you to worry. He wants you to fret. And in 2 Timothy 1.7 is a great scripture. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, New King James Version, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So, you know, some of us, you know, that deal with worry every once in a while because we're either going to worry about what we didn't do or what we did in the past that might catch up with us. Or we worried about or we're worried about the future. You're either worried about the past or the future. But, you know, Jesus said, don't worry about anything. So why? Because he is our shepherd and we shall not lack for any good thing. Amen. God will take care of you. Amen. God has you in the palm of his hand. Amen. So some of us might need to confess daily that scripture. God has not given me a spirit of fear. There used to be a song that that, that somebody wrote a song to go with that. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he has given unto me a spirit of power, a spirit of love and a sound mind. Boy, I sound pretty good up here. I like the acoustics. (laughs) (laughs) I won't join the worship team, okay? So you guys can relax and don't worry. Amen. Amen. How many people in here can make a joyful noise? Amen. Amen. That's all you make is a joy. Okay, we won't go there. But that's all some of us can make is a joyful noise, right? But you know what? God looks at our heart. You know, and, and he will help us. Amen. Some of you might sing better in the shower, but he will help us. Amen. So so this the Lord revealed this to me and uh, about peace. And you can tweet this if you like. Uh, true peace in God is the absence of fear or worry or anxiety. So when you're walking in, in, in peace, it's the absence of being worry. It's the absence of being fearful. Amen. Glory to God. So so when we take those out of the equation, then we should be walking in peace. Are you listening to me today? So today I want to talk to you about the fruit of patience. Amen. And I looked up patience. You know, I thought more patience would be more, you know, more aligned with perseverance because it's like you got to persevere. But uh, but patience, I looked it up and 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 it says patience is the capacity. You ready for this? Is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset? So can I read that again? Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Amen. So in other words... It's the ability, patience is the ability to stay calm while all hell is breaking loose around you. That's my vernacular, all right? It's the ability to stay calm when the storm is is all around you and you don't know what to do, amen? And so we have to to learn, you have to learn to walk in patience, amen? Amen. Glory to God. 
And so Ephesians 4, let's look at Ephesians 4, 25 and 32. And this is an exhortation from Paul. And he's writing to, to the Ephesian church. He's writing to us. And he says, therefore, put in away lying. You know, he has to tell his congregation, don't lie. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. The, 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 the Ephesian church, he said, put away lying. Amen. So we don't want to be lying. Amen. Uh, no white, li- you know, even a white lie is a lie. Glory to God. So then he says, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be, now, now in verse 26, we're, this is where we want to hone in on. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So I like this because he says that you can be angry. I talked about this before. It's okay to be angry, but don't let that angry anger bring you into sin. You know, you know, if somebody does something wrong to you and they really do you down and dirty, it's okay to be angry about that situation. But but the bad thing is, is to stay angry about it. Amen. And so what what do we have to we have to be very careful that we're not allowing anger to turn to turn into bitterness, which can turn into hate, which can turn into murder. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So we got to make sure because when you get angry, uh, if it's not checked. It, it can turn into bitterness or, or unforgiveness. And then if unforgiveness is stayed in there, it'll turn to hate. And then you know what happens after hate? Murder. Murder, she wrote. I don't know, but murder. So it says here, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, uh, husbands and wives, you know, you can get angry with each other, but don't don't go to bed angry. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so uh, nor give place to the devil. Then he says, let him who stole still no longer. It's interesting. This is in here right after this verse, because he might be talking about somebody that stole something from somebody. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. So why do we make an income? It's so we can have something to give to somebody that's in need. Can I get an amen there? Or oh me. Is it now he says here, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not, now notice it says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, I don't know what that word clamor means, but you know what it means. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, giving one another, even as God in Christ Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgave you. And so this is the rest of Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. So, so you know, I'm going to say this, that if you're, if you're lear- trying to learn to be patient, the best way to discover if you're a patient person, if you don't open your mouth too quick. Hello. In other words, you start guarding this thing. Amen. James says that our tongue is full of deadly poisons. 
our tongue can bless somebody here and curse somebody there. So see, really the key to our faith is how controlled are we on our tongue? Hello. Are you listening to me today? So how 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 controlled are we? And we do have the spirit of self-control, which is another fruit. And the Bible also says it's the love of God that can constrain us. Have you ever been constrained by the love of God? When somebody really deserves to be slapped upside the head with some reality. Now, I'm not talking about physically, but I'm talking about you can really take them down with your tongue. You can give them a good tongue lashing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Has anybody been there? Amen. Amen. So, so listen, you know, man, don't pray for patience. I'm going to say this. <laughs> Work out your patience. One person said, Lord, give me, you know, he was, you know, teach, you know, give me more patience. And then, you know, you don't want to do that because you will have more problems. Amen. Do you know what the Bible actually says? The Bible actually says that patience comes with problems. Did you know that? In other words, the more problems you have, the, the, the more patience you're going to walk in. In other words, if you, if you don't have any problems, you don't need any patience. And we live in a world that's crooked and undone. And you're going to have some problems in this world. Have you noticed that yet? Hopefully you're not too attached to this world. Hopefully you're getting excited about heaven. But we're not going to take a load up today, all right? But what I'm saying is hopefully you're not too attached to this world system because this world's going to pass away. And we're going to enter into the... See, God never wanted us to have any problems. You see, he created this planet perfect. He created Adam and Eve perfect. You know, the lion laid down with the lamb. It was, it was a perfect atmosphere. It was perfect. God wanted it to be perfect. He didn't want death. He didn't want any of this. But man messed it up, right? Because they ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they messed up. But God is trying to fix it. And we all are going back to the Garden of Eden in a sense. We're not going to go back the way it was. But in a sense, we're going back to a place where there's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more hurting. How many people are looking forward to that day? Glory to God. Amen. And so, so, so we need to learn to stay calm and peaceful when wrong things are happening to us. James 1, 19, 20 says this way. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. How do we do that? We have to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And, he's, and, and James says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So what, what do we normally do is we take this scripture and we operate it in the reverse. We're quick to, to wrath. Amen. We're, 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 we're quick to speak and we're slow to hear. And so what we need to do is we need to be swift to hear. In other words, we need to learn to listen. When people are, are doing things or they're saying the wrong things or doing the wrong, learn to listen. Amen. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Amen. And slow to wrath. I mean, I I looked up some scriptures here in Proverbs about anger. 
How many people are, are, are enjoying this message this morning? Amen. Or are you getting angry about it? But anyway, um, James 1, 19 and 20 says this way. I'm sorry. Proverbs 14, 29. New King James says it this way. He says, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Think about that. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Proverbs 15, 1 says it this way. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Amen. In other words, maybe your spouse says something to you or they, they woke up on the wrong side of bed and they, and they yell at you or say something that's not too nice. And we don't want to respond back in anger. But how many times we do that? You yell at me, I'm going to yell at you. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You get louder and I'm going to get even more louder. <laughs> and it becomes like a... Uh, yeah! Guess what? That's not pleasing to the Lord. Amen. I, I was listening to this one story about this one, one pastor. And he had a 16-year-old son. And um, it seemed as if, you know, his son and him would get in argument matches. And they would start yelling at each other. And the wife comes by and says, I don't even know, I don't even know who's the child. Who is the child? You know, in other words, we can't fall into, um, even with our kids and even with our teens, we can't fall into yelling at them like they're yelling at us. Amen. My dad never yelled. I mean, he was a he was the silent type. Amen. But he can give you that look like he's going to knock you upside the head. And that's all you need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's an old Navy salt man. Amen. And, and so he, he could just give you that look. Anybody know what that look me is? Amen. You give it to your kids every once in a while. Amen. And so, so uh, a soft answer. So in other words, when you lower your voice, hopefully it will, it will bring the other person down and they will lower their voice. Proverbs fifteen eighteen, amplified. I like the way this says. It says here in Proverbs fifteen eighteen, a hot tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger and patient calms disputes. Amen. You know, I never heard Dirty Harry yelling at anybody. He just pulled out a big gun. <laughs> he just says, make my day. <laughs> but he didn't need to yell at anybody. Amen. And, uh, and so hot temper man stirs up strife, but he was slow to anger and patient calms disputes. Proverbs sixteen thirty two, New King James Version says this, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Amen. So that's pretty powerful. Um, so he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. That's pretty powerful. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. That means that if you can control your anger, you're greater than somebody that can take a city. Boy, it's quiet in this Methodist church this morning. Proverbs 16, 32. Let's read the Amplified here. He who is slow to anger is better and more honorable than the mighty soldier. And he who rules and controls his own spirit than he who captures a city. So, 
So, so learning to control your temper is a key. And God gives us that ability to do that. And I really believe the key is, is to stay in communication with the Lord. I think that, the, the, listen, the further you're away from the word of God, the further you're away from church, the further you're away from hearing the word, the more carnal you're going to be. I'm going to say, if I don't have my time in the word and in prayer, I'm not a nice guy to be around. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I might be a little fleshy. But when I spend time with God, spend time in his word, then, you know, in other words, some of us are low on our batteries, spiritual batteries, if I may. Anybody ever have a, a, a phone and, it, and it's blinking? Some of us are blinking. We need a refill. We're blinking. In other words, we need to charge up. How do you charge up? You put your arms up, you worship God, you plug into heaven and you start charging up. Some of us need to charge up more often. We need to start worshiping God. Remember what James says in James 1? He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you encounter trials and tribulations. Count it all joy. We, we need to charge up. When things aren't going right, charge up, start praising God, thanking him that they're going to go right. Amen. And when you do that, glory to God, God, there's something God will do on the inside. I'm telling you, I've, I've walked in the spirit. I remember I was with a, uh, I was with somebody at church. We were, we were, we were driving together, going somewhere and uh, something happened. I don't know if I cut somebody off in the highway. But, but they beat their horn and they gave me one sign peace symbol. And, uh, and I'm with this guy and I'm the pastor, you know, we're talking and this guy gives me the one side peace symbol. And we just go, we look at him and we were in the spirit because we were talking about the Lord. And all we did was laugh because it was just funny. It didn't provoke me to anger. It was just funny. And, you know, I guess we I guess we just laughed. at him, you know. But you know, we turned it to each other and laughed, not laughed at the guy. We didn't want to provoke him to anger. Uh, I know a person that was on the highway and uh, it, it's, it's a relative of mine. You may have, I don't know if you remember the story or not, but they were on the highway and something they were trying to get over. And and so they got angry and they and they gave the birdie to somebody on the highway. That person tried to knock them, try to hit their car. Try to cause an accident. Did, I think they did hit the car. No, they didn't hit the car. You can't remember. Okay. <laughs> it, it was my mom. She got upset and gave. No, I'm kidding. But um, no, <laughs> it's a person that my mom and I both know. All right. <laughs> Not my mother. I mean, she would never do that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Got to have some comedy time. Amen. Uh, let's continue here before I get written out of the will. Amen. <laughs> three attitudes that cause us anger. You know, there's three attitudes that I've discovered that can cause us to be angry people. And one attitude we got to be very guard. We got to guard ourselves. And that's jealousy. We got to guard ourselves against jealousy. Anybody ever deal with jealousy in here? Come on, you know. Every time I see that fit guy you know, on the commercials and he has a washboard abs, I'm jealous. I like I want that body. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about here? 
And so jealousy, you know, jealousy is a feeling of resentment against someone because of that person's rivalry, success or advantages. Do I need to read that again? Jealousy is a feeling of resentment against someone because of that person's rivalry, success or advantages. And, you know, the, the, the key story I want to focus on here is Cain and Abel. It's, a, it's an excellent example of, of jealousy that turns into anger, that turns into hate, that turns into murder. And in Genesis 4, we're going to look at Genesis 4, 1 through 8. And let's look at this. Uh, Genesis 4, 1 through 8. It says, Now Adam knew Eve and his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have required a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Also, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. That's interesting. And Cain was very angry. Uh, you know, one translation, I think King James says he was he, he was rot. Amen. And he said, why has your countenance fallen? God, God speaks to Cain about this. Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now, Cain talked with his Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Amen. So here it was jealousy that brought, you know, offense that brought, you know, uh, uh, unforgiveness that that brought hate that brought murder. Think about that. And so and so they were brothers, but he killed his brother over an offering. And what what was interesting about this was that God came to him and God said to him, you know, you have the ability to master this. You don't have to fall in this line. And these are unrenewed people. These aren't born again Christians with the spirit of God. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? And so and so Abel gave his firstlings of his flock. And, you know, uh, Cain just gave an offering that, you know, maybe some rotten fruit. I don't know what he gave. He was a farmer. And he gave some fruit, set it upright. But for some reason, it wasn't the right heart attitude. It wasn't the right way. God doesn't have to accept a rotten offering. Hello. And so God didn't accept that. But God wanted to bring Cain up to where Abel was. But Abel, instead of going higher, he went lower. And I'm going to say this. God always wants us going higher. And Cain did not have to be the evil brother that killed his it could have been a different story you know it could have been the next story could have been and Cain brought the very best that he had and God blessed his offering and graced him with too see some we get jealous because some people are they're being promoted they're being blessed but but they're doing you don't know what they're doing behind the scenes to get promoted you don't know if they're fasting praying, giving offerings. We don't know that. We don't see what people are doing behind the scenes. And so we get upset when we see somebody else getting blessed, when we believe that that's our blessing. Amen. 
And we need to be, when we see other people being blessed, we need to thank God and say, praise the Lord, I'm next. Amen. So how do we overcome jealousy? We have to have a heart of thankfulness. We have to be thankful. It's like the guy that was unthankful when he, he, he had no shoes. The story goes, this man had no shoes and he was so upset. He was, he was you know, living in a poor country and, and he was so upset until he saw the man that had no feet. Then he was thankful that he had feet. Amen. And so we overcome jealousy. We overcome that by being thankful. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. And so what, what the problem with Cain was that he didn't control his anger. And he allowed that to turn into bitterness or unforgiveness. Amen. Which turned into hate, which turned into murder. We got to be very careful because you you don't you may not physically murder somebody, but you can murder somebody with your tongue. Oh, man, I'm going somewhere today. We can murder people with our tongue. We can murder restaurants that treat us wrong with our tongue. I'll never eat there again. I'm going to tell 20 other people how bad they are because they need to know. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. So I'm talking to you about areas. What, what makes us angry? Really, what makes Pastor Dave angry? Amen. Uh, unfulfilled expectations can make us angry. Can I say that again? Unfulfilled expectations, uh, either on people or on God. You know, we can be, we can be uh, our, our expectation. We're, we expect people to do certain things. A certain way. And when they don't fulfill those expectations, it makes us angry. Come on. Some of you, you know, that were first got married, you're expecting your wife, to, men, to give you breakfast in bed. And when that expectation did not come to pass, you were upset. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe not. Okay. In other words, we have these expectations that we feel that should be fulfilled and we think that people should be doing things for us. Amen. I'm going to say this. God's, uh, God is your source. People aren't your source. Amen. And one of the biggest ways to keep by getting offended or angry is not to expect too much. <laughs> when you don't expect too much from people and they overdo what you don't expect, then you're going to be joyful and thankful and not expecting you, know, you hear what I'm saying to you today? But when we start expecting too much and people don't fulfill our expectations, it makes us angry. Is that right? Is that true? So Matthew 11, let's look at Matthew 11 because this is an interesting story. And it's talking about Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist. And it says here in Matthew 11, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach. This is Matthew 11, 1 through 6. He departed there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? This is one of the weirdest places because you, you think about it, why would John, now he's in prison, 
Why would John send two of his posse to go to Jesus and ask Jesus, is he the one? Are you the one? Or we should look for it. In other words, wasn't it John that said, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Didn't he say that in the very beginning when he had a thriving ministry? When he was when he was the forerunner of Jesus? And didn't, didn't he say when his disciples came to John, John's disciples came to him and said, hey, uh, master, they're baptizing Jesus. That man over there uh, is baptizing more people than your people. And, he, and, and, and then, didn't John say, well, nothing can be granted unless God gives it to him and he must increase and I must decrease. Didn't John say that? I mean, it's good when everything's going well. It's, you can praise when everything's going well. But what happens when you're rotting in prison? When, when Jesus is right there and he could give a good word, he could, he could maybe get you out of prison. Maybe, why is he forgetting about John? Maybe John was, was, was you know, he, he was feeling like, well, Jesus, you got the thriving ministry because of me. I'm the one that got you set up with your thriving ministry. Think about that. He did baptize Jesus. Amen. I mean, just think about this. Anytime that we're, we're, we're feeling the pressure on us, anytime that and we're, we were doing the right things, we were trying to help. Amen. We we're trying to do the right things. You know, you knock on the door to witness and give somebody a track and pray for them. They slam it on your face. God, I'm trying to serve you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You get, you, you know, whenever we do the right things and the wrong things are happening, it makes us want to quit. It makes us want to throw in the towel. But I'm going to say this, don't grow weary in well-doing. God will turn it around. Even if somebody, I, I heard somebody was saying, you know, they, they were up all night and they were, they, they were da- done down and dirty. And they were up and, and the Lord spoke to him and said, won't you just forgive them? You know, it was like two o'clock in the morning. Could you be up at night at two o'clock in the morning thinking about what somebody done to you? Yeah. And, 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 and he, he said, but Lord, but Lord, they were wrong. And the Lord said to him, of course they were wrong. That's why you need to forgive them. <laughs> you don't forgive people because they're good to you. Are you here? You forget people because they're wrong. They're wrong. What they did was wrong. That's why you forgive people, not because they're good to you. You don't go around forgiving people that are good to you. You go around praising those kind of people. But the people that are mean to you, you want to kick in the backside. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? So we have here John. And it's interesting, he was the one that the forerunner, and he said, he sends his posse out in front of everybody while Jesus is preaching. And he said, Jesus! And Jesus says, well, are you the one? <laughs> Think about it. And you know, what did Jesus said? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Amen. Amen. And so really, can we get offended with Jesus? 
Have you ever gotten offended with the word of God? Have you ever gotten offended when the ministry of the word is going forth and your toes are being stepped on? And you know it's true. Amen. Amen. And so we need we need to reflect. I think I don't think we reflect enough. Amen. To overcome unfulfilled expectations on others that causes us to get angry. We have to learn that people are human. They will make mistakes. In other words, give people grace and mercy that you desire to get from God. Amen. We got to allow the for the human part. Amen. Amen. And if you don't give people mercy and grace, I'm going to say this. You won't give yourself too much mercy and grace when you mess up. And that spirit of condemnation will hurt you. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Have you ever messed up and you just felt condemned about it? Well, if if you are a person that easily condemns others, then that spirit of condemnation will come on you and you will feel condemned. Amen. 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 Say, oh, me, oh, my, it's, it's true anyway. Now, now the, the, third, the third reason why people, uh, attitudes that, that cause people to get angry is, is can I just, just say it, pride. Amen. We just have pride. Amen. Prideful, and we we're prideful, and we're, we, we can be prideful or arrogant about the way we want to see things done. Amen. And pride is a way that, that, that can promote anger. Uh, let's talk about Moses' big mistake. Amen. You know, Moses, he was raised up in the king's palace, in Pharaoh's palace. And he never really felt like he was part of, you know, uh, the Egyptian family. He, he, his mom weaned him and he knew his roots. And he, he, he had a love for his people. And he, had a, he knew he had a calling to do something great. And, but, you know, he was in his 40s. He saw an Egyptian um, uh, mi- mistreating one of his Hebrew brothers. And he got so angry about that. What did he do? He killed the Egyptian and he buried the body. The very next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting. and He said, why are you guys fighting? You are on the same team. And the one Hebrew that was causing the problem said, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian? And it freaked Moses out. He said, I got to go. I got to get out of town because, you know, he knew that Pharaoh would find out about it. And so what happened to Moses? He ended up on the back, you know, side of a mountain. Amen. For 40 more years. Amen. Praise God. What happened? His anger got the best of him. His anger got the best of him. But see, but, but he was even called the meekest person on earth. You know, Moses was called the meekest. Moses spoke with God face to face. He had an awesome relationship with God. Not too many people had a relationship with, like Moses. Moses was like, God and Moses was tight. But in Numbers 20, 7 through 12, something happened. And sometimes, I'm going to say this, sometimes we can get too casual with God. I'm going to say this, don't get too casual with God. Amen. God is God Almighty. He's your heavenly father. He loves you. But understand where he's at and where you're at. Amen. He deserves reverence. He deserves honor. He deserves praise. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? He he allows you to breathe. Amen. And then Numbers 27, 12 says this. Then the Lord spoke. This is Numbers 20, verse 7 through 12, New, New King James. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take a rod. 
you and your brother Aaron, what happened was that the, the congregation was suffering. Uh, they didn't have any water. Aaron gathered the congregation together. Speak. Now, he's, now he gives them specific instructions. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give a drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses, now Moses, you know, heard what he said. Now, prior to that, and I could understand this, that um, they, they were in a similar predicament and they didn't have any water. And God told Moses to strike the rock and water came out. But this time God is saying something different to Moses. He's saying, I don't want you to strike the rock. I just want you to speak to the rock. Amen. In other words, it was a simulation. The rock represents Jesus. And Jesus is only crucified once. And Jesus gives us living water. Oh, you hear what I'm saying today? And the second time the rock is not supposed to be, you know, struck. It's supposed to be spoken. And so, and so we, we look at this story here and it says here, so Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to, to them, hear now, you rebels. What? He's kind of going off script here. He was supposed to speak to the rock. And now he's saying, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Now he's taking this upon himself. We're going to bring the water out of the rock. Some pride is there, isn't it? It's not God doing it. Now it's, must we, me and Aaron, bring water out of the rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand, struck the rock twice. Wham, wham. He didn't speak to the rock. He struck it twice. And God still honored him. Water came out abundantly and the congregation, their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses Aaron and said, because you do not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring the assembly into the land which I have given them. Think about this. Now, you know, Moses had an awesome relationship with God, but he got a little careless. He got a little prideful. He, he, he did things his way. Listen, you, you just can't do it your way all the time. You've got to do it God's way. Amen. God's way is the right way. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And pride wants us to, pride would say, do it your way. Don't, don't do it God's way. But humility, how do we overcome that spirit of pride? You may ask, you have to humble yourself. Amen. You have to, see, you're either going to humble yourself or you're going to end up being humbled. Can I say that again? Yeah, I, I remember I had one guy in my work day. You know, I used to work at a jewelry store back when I was going. And, and, and I was always coming in all excited. And the, guy, and the guy thought I was prideful or something. He said, you're going to have a humbling day one day. You know, God's going to humble you. But he was kind of religious. God doesn't want to humble us. He wants us humbling ourselves. God's not looking to embarrass you. He's looking to lift you up. So how do we overcome the spirit of pride in our lives? How do we do that? We humble ourselves. First Peter 5, 5 says it this way. Likewise, first Peter 5, 5 and 6. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, what am I saying here this morning? 
I'm saying that, listen, somebody might do you wrong or the circumstances not, may not be like you want them to be. Things may not have turned out like you thought that they should turn out. But you need to still humble yourself and know that God is God. Amen. And God calls the shots. And we don't call the shots. Amen. Amen. God is God and he calls the shots. And sometimes we don't like how he calls them. But we need to humble ourselves. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? And I don't always like everything that God wants me to do. I'm not, I'm not always, but I want to get my heart right and, and, and humble myself and do what God's calling me to do. And when you do, there's great blessings. When you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in what due season. Maybe some people aren't treating you right, but you treat them right anyway. Maybe some things aren't going well, but you, you keep doing good anyway. You keep doing the right things when the wrong things are happening and eventually payday will come. Do you believe that today? Payday will come. God will make it right. In this life or the life thereafter, God will turn it around. You know, all those martyrs, the blood of the martyrs, these people got killed in the prime of their lives. God is going to make it up to the martyrs. And you might be feeling like you're a martyr today. God will make it up. Do you believe that today? You believe that he will make it up? He will make it up for you. I'm telling you, the blood of the martyrs, they have special crowns. They have a special place with God in heaven. They are special to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Yes, yes, uh, injustice can make us angry, but God can turn the table. Vengeance is the Lord's. Give room. The Bible says give room for the wrath of God. Let God deal with the people. Let God deal with that person that has hurt you. Let God, how do you do that? You pray for them. Ask God to reveal truth to them. You know, and, and pray. And, you know, first pray for yourself that you have more patience. Glory to God. And you forgive them. How many times do you forgive somebody? Seven times 70. In a day. Lord, that's 490 times. Pastor, give me more faith. That's what the disciples said. Give me more faith. I need more faith. You know, it takes faith to forgive. Do you know it takes faith to forgive people? You've got to walk in some faith. It takes faith to turn the other cheek. It takes faith to allow God to work on it. It could take, you know, it takes faith. It takes no faith to handle it yourself. Amen. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? So, so we, you, 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 you humble yourself. You, you submit yourself to God. You, you resist the temptation. You resist the devil. You resist the temptation to act on your own behalf. Amen. And then you allow God to work it out. Look at your neighbor and say, let God work it out. Amen. I'll get you guys preaching. Glory to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just praise you today. And we thank you, Father God, for the fruit of patience. And Father God, we know that, that that fruit is the fruit of endurance that we can endure because love never fails. And Father, I just thank you, Father God, that, th that this group of people are walking in your love. And Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that we're demonstrating your love every day. 
And perhaps you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And you know there's some areas in your life or there's areas that of people that may have hurt you. And you need to just let that go. Maybe, maybe you're in a place right now where you're not aware of it. But if you hadn't asked Jesus into your heart, then, then you're on the wrong road today. And you need Jesus today. You need to be reconciled to God. Because if you don't have Jesus, there's no reconciliation with God. And so this is what I want you to do. If you're ready to reconcile with God, just pray this prayer. Say, dear God, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Jesus, I'll receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.